Welcome to the Mind Over Matter podcast with Heather Hakes, where mindset is everything. Thank you for joining me and tuning into this podcast. If you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with your friends. This podcast is here to open your awareness. I want to provide you with tactical teachings on how to master your mindset, create your ideal reality, overcome obstacles, and leverage adversity. And most importantly, it's to help you realize that you are in total control of your reality. My hope? To inspire and motivate you to keep going. And no matter what, it's all about mind over matter. Be sure to check out my website, heatherhakes.com, where I offer you a free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change. Again, that's heatherhakes.com and opt into my free video training. Without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Welcome to episode number 267. I have been waiting for weeks to share this episode with you. I have brought to you experts in the field of relationships and psychology and how to have those mindset shifts to remaster your relationships. Let's get started. Welcome to today's interview. I brought on Jeff and Jessica Jennings. Welcome. Thank you so much, Heather. Thank you for having us. We're excited to be here. We are. Thanks for having us. This is actually my first couple interview and a topic I'm super stoked to talk about, which is marriage and relationships and mindset. So I'd love you guys to give a little background. Where do you live and what do you do? So we live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and we've been married... How long? How long have we been married? Goodness. Um, coming up, it's going to be 16 years. Almost 16 years. Yeah. Um, and both of our backgrounds are in mental health. So we actually met getting our master's degrees in professional counseling down in Atlanta. We were both in Atlanta at the time. And we became licensed professional counselors. We dated for a couple of years, got married, and both were in mental health, uh, did private practice, and did a lot of work with couples. We both have done a lot of work with couples over the years. And then eventually I decided I wanted to go back to school to get my PhD. So we moved up to Richmond, Virginia, and I got a doctorate degree in counseling psychology. And the emphasis in my research and studies in my counseling psychology program was in positive psychology. So a lot of research and writing on forgiveness, Uh, humility, other positive psychology concepts. I studied um, inspiration as a psychological construct, why we are inspired and how we get inspired and what what is it actually all about. Um, And then after I finished my doctorate work, we decided to stay in Virginia and ended up in Charlottesville. And Jessica opened up her own private practice. Um, And then eventually we decided to start doing some some coaching, some couples coaching, and we started this uh, business called Relationship Remastery. And we want to take the most cutting-edge cognitive neuroscience, positive psychology, and the most cutting-edge relationship research um, to bring couples to this place of rediscovering themselves Mm -hmm. at a deep level and then being able to reconnect in relationships. So I'm curious, what is the common, maybe the three things, the common disconnect and why the divorce rate is the way it is? Oh, that's, yeah, that's a great question. So there are lots of reasons for disconnect. Um, And one of the things, one of the things that we both look at when we 
are doing our work is it's based in sort of attachment. Um, so what I mean by that is not to get too technical, but attachment is basically as children, we learn how to get our needs met. Like, and we're actually wired for connection. You know, we have bonding hormones as children because, you know, as, as an infant and as human beings, we have to remain closely attached to our primary caregivers for our survival. You know, it takes humans a long time sort of to develop <laughs> and get to a place where they can kind of take care of themselves, unlike a lot of other uh, animals in the animal kingdom. So it was very important for us to have a system to remain very closely attached to our primary caregivers. So we have these bonding hormones. We're wired for attachment. But we also are born with this sort of this fully functioning amygdala. All right. The amygdala is that part of our brain that is the it's the fear brain. You know, it's what gets triggered when we feel threatened, when we feel like our needs aren't going to be met, where we feel like we may not survive. Um, and that gets triggered very easily as infants and children. And we communicate the best way that we can at the time, you know, in order to get those needs met. And from that, we develop, you know, these internal working models um, or scripts, you know, that, that really determine how we navigate relationships throughout our life in, 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 in our, as adults and in our marriage. So. And so oftentimes the reason divorce happens is because we are intensifying what doesn't work over and over again mm. because we're so afraid. We're so deeply afraid that disconnection is going to happen that we blame our partner. We focus on these small content issues instead of understanding there's a deeper process going on. And then we try to figure it out on our own. And oftentimes our mindset becomes more and more negative. It becomes more and more hostile. We replay patterns from childhood that say, I'm not going to get my needs met. I'm not safe. Um, this is really scary. And then we flee or we fight. And if we're running away from the relationship or we're fighting, those are recipes for unfortunate divorce oftentimes. And that's why the divorce rates are so high. It sounds yeah, like... The oh, I was just going to ask real quick. Gonna, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like so much of this is conditioning as children and, and much before we're even aware of what's going on. So now as, a, as an adult, how do you reprogram such subconscious conditioning? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Yeah. The good news is that while we can sort of be sort of fall victim to these automatic processes, um, the brain is an amazing organ and it has what's called neuroplasticity. So our brains can change um, and they can change throughout our adult life. You know, it's amazing what you can actually learn to do as an adult. Um, and we've seen this in a lot of research, you know, especially when people lose certain functionings through brain damage, you know, their brains can actually recover and they can learn all sorts of new things. So that's the good news. We can change it, um, but you, it starts with actually becoming aware of it, becoming aware of the patterns, becoming aware of your own tendencies, your own internal working models or scripts, how you do things, how you navigate your relationships. And really working toward being intentional about making changes that get your needs met more effectively. So what I was going to say is, you know, the things that we learn as children, you know, as young infants and toddlers and young children to get our needs met, 
aren't so effective, you know, in getting our needs met as adults in <laughs> relationships, right? Pardon the interruption. Do you ever feel lost or find yourself stuck in a rut? You want change. Maybe it's more money, better relationships, your health, etc. But you don't know where to start. I get it. I've been there. If you're ready to take the leap and actually make change and progress in your life, I offer a free discovery call to see if my one-on-one coaching program is right for you. Visit heatherhakes.com forward slash coaching for more information and to schedule your call. Now back to regular programming. And so then what happens is we're working with the couple to reawaken to reawaken to these conscious and unconscious patterns of fear that are under the surface. And so this is where actually recognizing these, these mindset shifts we need to make. So one of the mindset shifts we need to make is I am now able to deeply connect that it's possible for me, that we understand that actually our bodies and our brains work better when we are deeply connected and the newest research unveils this, that we are actually long-term healthier and happier. We have lower cortisol levels and cortisol leads to heart disease. So when we have fewer cortisol levels in our body, we are going to be less prone to the number one killer, which is heart disease. And so it's unbelievable that when we feel loved and connected, we are actually in a healthier, more peaceful state of body and mind. So the truth is you are capable of this. And what we can do is identify those barriers and blind spots, what we call reawaken. So the first step would be to reawaken, to reawaken to these um, mindset shifts you need to make. What are you telling yourself? And then Mm -hmm. the beauty of it is this, is everyone's going to fight and argue. Everyone's going to withdraw at different times, but now you can identify it as the actual awakening of your pattern to say, oh, we are in our threat response cycle again. We are, we are feeling threatened and we can do mm-hmm. something about it. And there's a great empowerment. There's a shift that, that everyone can make to reawaken to these unconscious fears and make a change. So two quick questions for you regarding what you just shared. Number one, something that came to mind, a buzzword that is shared often is vulnerability. Is mm-hmm. that what's going on in relationships? This, this, you know, taking the walls down and being transparent. Can you kind of break down vulnerability? Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. That is a, a buzzword that has uh, become really popular these days. But it's become popular for a reason because we recognize the need for it, especially when it comes to intimate connection. Mm-hmm. And we do build defenses against that, you know, yes. so, you know, when our needs are not sufficiently met as children, we build up defenses, you know, we build up self-protection strategies and we all have these, you know, we all have our sort of own self-protection strategies, depending on what our experiences were, um, depending on our personality and things like that. So we, we go into one of these three responses typically when we feel threatened, you know, it's retaliate, um, repress or retreat, you know, and those are self-protection strategies. I'm definitely a turtle, you know, like when I feel threatened, <laughs> I go into my shell, you know, I retreat. I'm like, um, where'd you go, babe? Yeah, she's looking for me, you know, and it's going to take me a little bit of time before I'm willing to like poke my head out again. Um, we need to know that it's safe. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Right. Safe. We're not coming back out. So, yeah. So when we feel threatened, you know, we don't want to be vulnerable. 
right? Because that exposes us. And, you know, it, even, in, even given our knowledge and our experience, you know, it's something we have to work at too. You know? I have to be willing to be vulnerable with my wife. I have to share what I'm really feeling or what I'm really experiencing. And that can feel threatening sometimes, but it's only when I'm actually really willing to share what I'm actually feeling or sort of those softer emotions. You know, it's easy to get angry. It's a lot harder to share you know, well, I'm feeling really insecure or I'm feeling scared or I'm feeling inadequate, you know, especially as a man, those can be harder emotions for us to A, identify and B, actually communicate, you know, but it's so important to grow our connection and our intimacy with one another. So something that came to mind when you were just discussing that, it sounds like as an as a partner, because rather than retaliate and then becomes this back and forth, then you kind of lose what you're even talking about. Mm -hmm. When you notice that your partner is triggered, is it important to number one, not take it personal to have compassion and then to ask them questions? Is that what you are to do in, in that moment of a tiff? That's a great question. I think we step back and we do the, the reawakening. They're saying, okay, we're doing it again. And I think you can acknowledge, you know what? I see a look of fear on your face. What are you feeling? So asking questions, why? Because we are seeking to understand. We are then going to go into this um, rediscovery place. So we're going to rediscover ourselves in this moment. We're going to rediscover the one we love. Why? Because we're not going to go to that place of blame, which is that you're to blame. It's all your fault. We're not going to retaliate or retreat. We're asking people to do two things, to show up and to be real. So it's, it's really scary to, to do what you said and to seek understanding rather than to try to figure it out and, and place the blame. Say, oh, I know what's happening here. You're rejecting me again versus saying, wow, it, you have a terrified look on your face. Can you tell me what you're feeling? And then the other person can show up fully and say, yeah, I'm feeling really scared. Um, I think you're going to retreat for days and you're going to leave me here to deal with all this anger. And I don't know how to handle it. So we need to talk about it. So seeking to understand the other person creates a safe place um, because you're communicating love, you're communicating care. You're saying, I don't want you to feel so overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Let's slow this down and let's talk this through. And it's important for me. To, I want to understand what you're experiencing. Yes. You know, yes. instead of me getting angry and defensive um, because you're experiencing that mm -hmm. way, you know, I'm communicating that. Yeah. Okay. I want to understand what's going on for you. And that, like Jessica said, creates that safe space to actually be able to start opening up and talking about these things. And rediscovering what's actually going on. And that's a huge revelation because as you rediscover, you learn about yourself, about the relationship, mm -hmm. and then you're working with the prefrontal cortex instead of that primal fear brain. And you can make really good decisions. You can seek insight and find amazing reconnection. I love what you said, seek to understand, because I think that's hard to do in the moment, because in the moment, you I, well, de being defensive is the easiest way, but seek to understand. So if somebody's triggered, it's like, whoa, what did I say that brought up a past experience or a past thought? That's not what it's like today. So how can we, how can we have a fresh start? Yes, it's essential to understand the trigger point because that is often where we stop feeling safe. Mm 
And that trigger is telling us like, oh my goodness, this is not a safe environment for me. It looks so much like my childhood or it feels so much like the time when my friends in junior high rejected me or it often goes back to past experiences that have nothing to do with it, but it looks or feels a lot the same. Or I felt vulnerable then, I feel it now. And all I knew to do was shut down. So that's all I can do. Mm. So it doesn't mean we're not going to do it. It means we're going to identify it faster. We're just going to identify, oh, there I go again. Oh, I did it again. And then we're going to come back and say, I would like to know how you experienced that. This was my experience of our last argument or my withdrawal. I see it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of, one of the real challenges in relationship is we're not always aware of those things ourselves. You know, we're not always aware of why we're getting triggered. Sometimes, you know, I'm a psychologist, you know, I've spent years and years like, you know, studying the mind, studying behavior, studying why we are the way we are, why we do what we do. I've been in counseling. I do a lot of my own sort of self-work and self-growth. And there are times that I don't know. Like sometimes I just have to say, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know why I'm upset. I don't know what's triggering me, you know, but you know, this is where I'm at right now. Right now I'm just pissed off, you know, I'm angry or whatever the case might be. And, and, but when I'm in a relationship where it's okay and Jessica, my wife can actually sort of validate and be like, okay, that's okay. You know, you don't have to know, you know, and can create, and we can both seek to understand together and create that safe space. Then we can explore it. And I'm able to sort of reflect instead of staying in that, you know, triggered place. And the exciting part of that is that then we get into a mindset shift that's essential for healthy relationship, which is to see that conflict is not bad. It's an unveiling of deeper things. Mm. And we just have to handle conflict in a different way. It's not that we need to avoid it. Because truth be told, we tend to either go in with the retaliate, kind of, I've been hurt, I'm going to get them back, or we retreat Mm. or repent. Press. And a lot of women will do this repression thing and say, fine, I'm fine. And obviously <laughs> she's not fine. Like, and, but that repression, again, is that very scary experience where I'm not going to be able to get to the bottom of this. We're just going to replay this over and over again. It's going to be Groundhog Day in, in our relationship. But when we see that relationship is actually there to unveil these patterns and that we don't have to be afraid of them anymore, it's actually mm-hmm. telling us something. And so I have a phrase I use with clients and with, with coaching clients a lot. You know, you just don't know that you know. And that's where the the process unveils what you don't know. And you have to be willing to go there. So if you're showing up and if you're being real, it will become clear when you have a safe place to seek to understand, to really see and be seen, to know and be known. Then it leads to loving and being loved in a way you you can't even begin to imagine. Mm -hmm. That I had to write that one down and like star it. That conflict equals unveiling. And so it's actually a gift that maybe suppressed emotions or thoughts. But my my question for you is if you're the partner, if you're the individual having these experiences being triggered, what is the internal work you can do or the self-reflection so that it doesn't continue being a pattern? Right. Yeah. And that's important. It's important for both people to do a little bit of that work. You know, both people are going to need to do some of that work individually. Um, That's why we talk about, you know, a lot of times marriage therapy or couples therapy often fails because 
you need a lot, oftentimes to do a lot of individual work and you need to do work on the relationship. And that process can take time. And often couples come to marriage counseling too late, you know, in the process. So it's kind of too little, too late. They show up when, you know, things are really at a critical mass and are really bad. Um, and then there's all this sort of work and understanding that needs to be done. And if that process is taking too long and one person already sort of has a foot sort of out the door, they're not going to stick with it. You know, so unfortunately, that's what we see over and over again in in couples therapy is you know, couples don't stick with the process long enough for real change to take place. So both people really need to seek their own understanding of, you know, what, what's coming up for them? What's getting triggered? You know, why do they respond this way? You know, why do they get angry in these situations? Um, what is that sort of based in? And you, you may not always know perfectly and you don't have to know perfectly. You know, there's not always sort of like a smoking gun that you can point your finger at and say, this is exactly why I feel this way. But you can usually at least get a general sense of that enough so that when it's happening, you can kind of tell yourself, okay, you know, this is what's happening for me right now. I'm getting triggered. You know, it probably has something to do with this other situation or this other experience in my life you know, particularly growing up. Um, and I can respond differently. I can take a step back. I can, you know, disengage a little bit to cool off if I need to cool off, whatever the case might be. Um, but I don't have to respond in the same typical ineffective way that I respond when I'm feeling this way. I can do something different. So if you write out the trigger, Say, what is that? What was the specific facial expression? What was the specific tone or gesture? For me, it's tone a lot of times. It's condescending tone, and I feel stupid. And when I feel stupid, I get defensive because I'm really sensitive to that. So, a, and then when she gets defensive, <laughs> I get defensive. So, you know, that's it's our, our cycle, cycle, you know. So, as I step back and recognize this to say, okay, my trigger is the tone. Now what I can do is I can communicate effectively to say, you know what I think? You don't intend to make me feel stupid. What you're intending is to communicate the intensity and how bad you're feeling, but I take it personally. So as I hear your tone, would you be able to slow down and use a different tone with me? Because that's going to keep me from being quite as triggered. I'm less likely to get defensive if I don't feel stupid. I'm less likely to feel stupid if you don't use that condescending tone. So again, awareness after the argument or fight, what is the trigger? Then how do I quantify that? We have to use external mm -hmm. behaviors to say, you move towards me. And then I get scared. Like, and, and maybe the person doesn't realize they're moving towards the other person. Or my dad used to always move towards me. And, you know, that would be really scary for me. Or um, you use that tone. So if there's a specific behavior, sometimes it's not even the words coming out. It's the tone used. And so trigger. Or that look. Yeah, the you look know, you give or, me or, you know, the, the trigger and then the specific behavior and then the request to say, if I can make a request, it says, I know you don't intend to do this. I know you love me. I know. So we have this great worksheet that we use with couples that helps them slow this down and really identify what is the trigger. Um, mm -hmm. How do I communicate the exact Tone of voice or look yeah, you're giving. Yeah, what is the trigger, the response? Yep, and then we look at how can I communicate my need? Like, what do I need? Because if we get more of what we need, that immediately 
help satisfy that longing in us for safety and for reassurance. And then when we tell ourselves this mindset shift that I am deeply connected, I can get my needs met. Mm -hmm. My partner and I are on the same team. We feel it. We begin to feel the shift. So not only is it a mental shift where our neurons are firing, where our synapses are coming together, but we're also releasing cortisol um, or instead of cortisol, excuse me, we're releasing that that Oxytocin. oxytocin as a bonding hormone that literally creates an experiential reality of deeper bonding. And we're created for this. So when we begin to do it, in a healthy way, not perfectly, but healthier. When we begin to ask for what we need in a way that actually meets our needs and the other person responds in kind, not perfectly, but better, we begin to have a mind and body experience of deep connection. Do you have some high level advice for people in newer relationships trying to navigate the waters? Definitely, I would say, you know, the more work you do to understand yourself, the better, you know, because especially when we're starting off in a new relationship, we're trying to really navigate a lot of different things. You know, is this person a good, is is this person a good fit for me? How do I really feel about this person? You know, you're looking for those red flags, you know, in relationship that's like, okay, this is not going to be a good situation or this is not going to be a good relationship. But I think one of the best things you can do you know, is really understand yourself, do a lot of the self work beforehand. And what we know is that actually, you know, people who get married and get divorced, second and third marriages have higher divorce rates than Mm -hmm. first marriages. Um, And a lot of times, you know, I think part of that is they don't, they don't do the self work, you know, before they get into another relationship. So they wind up, you know, the first relationship broke down more more often than not the problem was not them it was their partner right so in their mind <laughs> in their mind so they enter into an, another relationship having not really done the self work not really gained understanding into why they do what they do why they respond how they respond what their real relational needs are and how to effectively get those met so having not done that they repeat the same patterns in the second marriage um, and when things start start breaking down in the second marriage, one of the reasons that the divorce rate is higher is because they're probably more quick to pull the trigger, you know, and get out of the uh, relationship. And get out of the relationship. Yeah. So, but the other element of this, speaking to your question, is that you do your own inner work. Secondly, you're going to be aware of your pattern of this cycle that you have. So that threat response cycle, and if you can be aware of it, and if you can make these mindset shifts then you are going to have a much healthier and happier connection. Then tell sooner if it is the connection you want to keep for a long term. And that's really helpful to know. Yeah. So you know that, okay, I'm not, you know, responding. My responses in this relationship may not have some, may not be the result of the person I'm dating or the person I'm with. This is something internal to me, um, something I need to work on. So you're able to yeah, make that differentiation a little better. Yeah, for sure. What I love about what you shared, and um, I guess I don't know if I was that familiar with that, but your second and third marriage is higher divorce rates. What I realize is people are still seeking somebody else to fix the problem or the issue. But if they Absolutely. realized that the common denominator in all of those relationships was them point a finger inward and go, oh, wait a minute. If I'm the common denominator, maybe I'm the problem. 
Right. And so yeah, I've actually yeah. I've actually wanted to get a poster and hang that up in my office and working with clients, but it probably wouldn't go over very probably not well. good. <laughs> but I think this is also the mindset shift is that um in couples counseling over the last 10 years, we've awakened to the reality that neither one of you is the problem. You have unmet mm-hmm. needs and the problem is this external cycle, this threat response cycle, and this assumption that somehow you can't connect or your partner won't meet your needs. And so this is the beauty of it is that you are actually the solution. Um, It's engaging with these healthier patterns that are going to unlock your ability to connect. And when you're living within these beliefs that are true and in line with how you're created, you are going to have healthier and happier relationship. And that's what the research shows. The Harvard study shows us that people in deeply connected relationships are physically healthier and they're overall happier and they live longer. And so this is so essential to our well-being. You nailed it because actually the second half of you are the problem, but I have also come from the side of, I heard this somewhere quite some time ago, but you are the problem and you are the solution. So that should actually make you feel good that, okay, well, I, I hold the answer. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. We all have the answer within ourselves to change what, what the problem is. Um, and it's, and it is recognizing that, you know, the problem is not necessarily um, fixed. You know, it's not a fundamental flaw in who I am. And that's part of that mindset shift too, to be able to make relationships more successful is not seeing either yourself or your partner as fundamentally flawed, but Hey, this is a, a problem that I can externalize and I can actually work on and do something to change it. Because generally, the problem is an unmet need. And your needs are not problems. Your needs are indicators. They're indicators, just like a gas gauge is an indicator on your car. And yes, it's a problem if I run out of gas, right? But it's not technically a problem if I've used up all my gas. For example, it's not a problem if I'm tired. The problem is when I don't identify I'm exhausted and I keep pushing, then I snap at people. Why? Because I'm tired, you know? And if I can say, you know what? I'm feeling in a relationship disconnected. That's not a problem. It's an indicator that I need a date with my husband. I need us to go out. And so instead of attacking him saying, why haven't you asked me out lately? I can frame it in, in a request to say, babe, I love you so much. We are so good together. And I've missed my time with you. Can we please schedule some time versus if he loved me, he would take me out on a date. Like, and we can do that all day long. I wouldn't have to ask. And we hear that a lot with couples, you know, well, If that person really loved me or cared about me or really understood me, I wouldn't have to ask. They would just know. And that's such a common misconception. You know, we, we don't know. We can't read each other's minds. Half the time, we don't even know what's going on with us. Yes. So how can we know what <laughs> someone else needs, you know? And so that's a mindset shift to say my needs are not burdens. They're indicators. And I have to slow down and pay attention to them. And that's that inner work for myself that if I don't know what I need, I can't communicate it clearly if I don't if I don't take care of myself or ask the other person to help me with that, then they build up and I become a ticking time bomb. And, um, but if I do that, it's not all hope is lost. It's, I see my pattern. I unveil it. I awaken, I rediscover and I reconnect. And so it's a, it's then it's a restorative experience where then we restore and we wind closer together in intimacy. 
Okay, so something I had to write down, I just wrote that last one, awaken, rediscover, reconnect. But something else I wrote down, and I don't want to point fingers because I am a female, but women are notorious naggers. And so I've learned that rather than nag, it's all about how you frame it and word it. And I think that's what you're sharing. Like women, we can get our point across, but don't be a nag. What a beautiful thing. I love the term positive opposite. So in other words, if you see a issue in the relationship, he's not asking me out enough. He's not cleaning the house. Um, The positive opposite frame is, I know how much you love me and you want me to feel secure in this relationship. It means so much when you do the dishes. You know, the other night when you did the dishes, it was amazing. I came in and felt so light and free. And I so appreciated that. Do you, would you mind doing that every once in a while or maybe every night? Cause that would mean so much to me. So different, so different. What are you doing? You're actually calling on his strength and that's what we need to do. We need to praise. We need to call on the strength of the other. We need to frame it in a positive opposite. It's going to be it's going to be received so much better. Now, I'm not suggesting that they're going to remember to do the dishes every time, but you can then go about it in the same way you did when you first made that request. I think coming from the male perspective, you know, a lot of times, you know, one of, you know, men, one of our biggest sort of fears or, um, you know, the things that, the thing that trips us up the most is, feeling inadequate you know as men we don't want to feel adequate and so a lot of times depending on how something is being communicated you know what we're hearing is you're inadequate you know you're not good (laughs) enough you know you need to do more you need to step it up you need to do this 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 and this you know you're not good enough and when we start feeling that way and that's the message that we're hearing we're going to respond negatively to that you know we're going to respond defensively um now Part of that, you know, like Jessica was saying, is you can, you know, share it differently as as, as the woman in the relationship. Um, and then part of it, too, as the man in the relationship, we have a responsibility, too. You know, sometimes we need to be able to hear criticism and not let it uh, sort of like trigger that fear of inadequacy that's within us or, or whatever it might be. Um, so that's us doing that's me doing my own work. So I'm not getting triggered and not responding angrily or defensively when my wife has a legitimate need that she's trying to communicate to me. Hmm. Okay. So I, I want to be able to give listeners takeaway and something you've brought up multiple times now are mindset shifts. So do you have a small, like, is there a formula? Is there a bolted list? Like what are the takeaways for these mindset shifts in relationships? So we, we boil down three sort of basic things that we think are really important for people to be able to tell themselves, especially when they're feeling triggered or they're in one of these cycles, because we go into these negative, you know, frames of mind whenever we're triggered, um, either where we start, you know, feeling inadequate ourselves, feeling disconnected, feeling like our needs can't be met, feeling like our partner can't meet our needs, feeling like, you know, maybe I'm just not meant for connection, whatever the case might be. We have these negative scripts that, you know, that start going through our head. So sort of the three mindset shifts that we encourage people is, is number one, you have to tell yourself that I am able to deeply connect. All right. I am wired for love and connection. 
you know, that is who I am. That's how I'm biologically wired. So I'm able to do this. Two, my needs can be met. You know, my, my needs are important and they can be met in this relationship. And I need, if something is breaking down, we just need to find a more effective way to do this. You know, I need to find a more effective way to get my needs met or to communicate my needs, whatever the case might be. And then the third shift is recognizing that you're both on the same team. You know, you're not adversaries. Um, and when couples can really make that shift and remind themselves that, hey, we're in this together, we're on the same team, you know, even when we're having a disagreement or an argument, you know, we're not really opposing each other. We both want the same thing. And if we can sort of take a step back and recognize that, that can really go a long way to diffusing, again, what's going on, the argument, whatever the case might be, so that you can start having those conversations to get to what's really more underneath the surface. I love that. And I think ultimately, as humans, we complicate everything, but this isn't complicated. It's very simple. I would say it's easy to understand, but it's hard to do. So just don't be discouraged Mm -hmm. because practice makes progress. There is no perfect. The perfection comes in the showing up and the deeply connecting. That's Mm -hmm. The perfection is just being able to be with each other in the pain, in the joy, and remind yourself of that, that this is not about being in a relationship with a perfect person or perfecting yourself. This is about showing courage, showing up, and being real. Okay. Being vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, question for both of you. What is one key takeaway you want listeners to get from this conversation? Conflict is unveiling a deeper need pay attention to it yeah that's a good one i don't know if i can top that but <laughs> but I'll, I'll i'll use a quote um that we really like it's by the poet rumi and it says your task is not to seek for love but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you built against it and so my key takeaway is you know work toward understanding your own barriers, your own defenses that you've built up against actually receiving love. Um, And that is going to take you furthest when it comes to being able to deeply connect and really communicate your needs. Is there a book that you would highly recommend regarding relationship that can listeners can read to learn more about this? There are so many wonderful books. I would say anything that's on attachment theory is going to be phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Um, We really like um, very practical kind of workbooks. One of the workbooks I use with couples for deep inner work um, is a book on compassion. It's the, it's the compassion workbook by, by Dr. Kristen Neff. I love it because it's helping them unveil some of these inner thoughts and how they, are judging themselves and not showing themselves compassion and not showing the other person compassion. So we really like attachment theory and we really like compassion, deep compassion work. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. There's a book called attached. That's really good. Um, and really like Jessica said, anything in the attachment area can be, is, can be really powerful and just really understanding your attachment style and giving you further insights into how maybe you develop that. Final question, and you can definitely answer separately. What advice would you give your younger self? 
Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> I would say that um, rest into love. It is abundant and know that you can let go of defensiveness because you are worthy of love and belonging. Mm-hmm. My advice to my younger self would, would certainly be, um, you know, you can start this work sooner because <laughs> <laughs> I put it off for a long time. We actually didn't get married until I was 32. So it took me a while to, to really rediscover myself and, and figure some things out before I was ready to really make a, a commitment to, to a relationship. So, But the beautiful thing, and I would tell all couples this is, start now. Like it's never too late. And now Mm -hmm. is the perfect time. Now is the perfect opportunity. Even if the pain is really intense, this is the opportunity for awakening. Such a great note to end on. Jeff and Jessica, thank you so much for joining me and sharing all of this knowledge. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Be sure to sign up for my free video training on how to get unstuck and create lasting change at heatherhakes.com. And I'd love to connect with you on the social platforms. You can find me on Instagram at heather.hakes, Facebook, Heather Hakes, and YouTube. Guess what? You got it. Heather Hakes. I'll catch you on the next episode.